Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Oh, come on, that don't sound like a voice of victory right there. I said, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, if you got victory over the enemy, you ought to just lift your voice and show the devil, I'm, I'm victorious. I've got victory. Hey! Man, amen, amen. Man, if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to the book of Psalms, chapter 145. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to say what an honor and privilege it is to be here. And I love this church. I love, I love churches with Holy Ghost. I love every church, but I love churches with heritage of apostolic revival. And uh, this church indeed has a history of apostolic revival. And we're going to talk about it tonight, but I'm just here to tell you that the best is still yet to come. Well, I had three people that believed that. The rest of y'all's kind of sitting there looking at me. I said, I said, the best is still yet to come. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I, I do, I do tonight, I was praying this afternoon. I, I still hadn't got my mind all the way around this, Pastor Bradford. I was just praying, asking God for direction. And I, I kind of feel like Bakersfield is one of those places I don't know you probably have said this, thought this, but as Bakersfield is one of those places where it's a collision course because you're not really in North California and you're not really in Southern California, but you're kind of in the middle. And so what happens because of that is spiritually is you kind of fight things from both sides. But I was praying today and I just felt like the Holy Ghost spoke to me and God said he's going to push back against the spirits of hell that have been trying to impede revival. There's been a spirit been trying to stop revival over this church for a couple of years. But I, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost that in this revival, something's going to be broken that's been coming against this church for years. Revival's going to be released personally for you and collectively as a church. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, there's going to be victory in this house. Victory in this land. There's some stuff going to be destroyed and some strongholds going to come down. Hey, hey man, hey man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for greater things, as Pastor said. We're going to talk about it tonight. Psalms chapter 145, verse 1. I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. How many believe that? And then David, as he is writing, stops for just a moment, as we can see from the punctuation. And it is my opinion that here David describes God better in just a few words than anyone could in the entirety of scripture because there is there's mystery in what he says right here. He says, and his greatness is unsearchable. His greatness is unsearchable. I want to preach tonight just simply about unsearchable greatness. Unsearchable greatness. Would you help me right now by lifting your hands towards heaven? And asking the Lord to move in this house. Come on, would you ask him to anoint us together? Jesus, we need you. We don't just need you, God. We want you. We're asking you, God, right now to have your way in this house. Let there be a power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost that flows from front to back and side to side. Let there be an anointing that flows in this house tonight. Destroy every yoke of bondage. Destroy every mindset that would lift itself up against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, we speak victory. We speak dominion and power of the Holy Ghost in this house. In Jesus' name. Come on, would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. Woo! Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Oh, come on. I think we can do a little bit better than that on a Sunday night. Woo! Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Touch somebody and tell them I'm going to help the preacher preach as you're being seated tonight. Amen. When we began to take an overall view of the book of Psalms, we understand that the book of Psalms is wonderful because it is poetry and it is prophecy all at the very same time. It is here that we learn the ebb and flow of the Spirit of God. We find that sometimes God comes in like a rushing mighty wind. We find in the book of Psalms that sometimes God sets back and waits a little while. We find in the book of Psalms good times and bad times as we follow them along with men like David and men like Asaph that Asaph would say, my feet almost nigh slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. We can follow the highs and lows of life and see how it really does rain on the just and the unjust alike. I don't know how it is in Bakersfield, but where I live in JS, Mississippi, sometimes we have bad days. Well, am I preaching anybody yet? Sometimes, as, as the song says, sometimes, I, I, you know, I've had good days and I've had bad days. Sometimes the clouds hang low and all, all that stuff. Sometimes life just happens to me. And, and it's in those times of life that I turn to the comfort of the word of God and I can find it in the book of Psalms that there were men that dealt with life just like I deal with life. It is here in the book of Psalms we see that life happens. It is here in the book of Psalms that uh, in, in my opinion it's one of the greatest places to read the word of God and discover the never changing yet always moving character and out of God. It is here. Uh, we can see in Psalms chapter 103 as God's character is revealed as David boldly prints, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And so David understands that the benefits of God are ingrained in the character of God. And his benefits here in the book of Psalms, he begins to tell us that God is a forgiver. God is a healer. God is a redeemer. God is the lover of our soul, that he is compassionate. And the result of God's character is that our youth shall be renewed like the eagles. We can go to Psalms chapter 23 and we can see the character of God as God is noted here as our shepherd. He is noted as a provider. He is noted as a great guide and a present help in dark times. He is the one that prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He is the anointer of our head with all, and he's the one that follows us for surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And such could be said of every psalm from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 150. There's a lot of adjectives that describe him and his character. There are a lot of words that talk of the goodness of God. But yet, I will state again tonight that it is here in my own opinion that David would do the best job of any psalm at describing the greatness of God as he would say his greatness Greatness is unsearchable. He is basically telling us that the greatness of God will never completely be revealed because when you find the pinnacle of God's greatness and you turn around, immediately God is greater than you thought he was. And then again, you climb another mountain and you find the greatness of God at its pinnacle on this mountain and you realize that there's another mountain behind that one that's even taller and even bigger and there's even 
one more to God. And so you can look high and you can look low. And nowhere will you able be, be able to completely define the greatness of God. And so when we talk, start talking about God is good, we have to understand that good is not good enough to describe him. When we say that God is great, we have to understand that great is not great enough to describe him. Awesome is not awesome enough. Holy is not holy enough. Righteous is not righteous enough. Big is not big enough. Whatever I've come to tell somebody on a Sunday night, whatever you think God is, honey, he is that, and he is so much more. However big you think God is, he's that big, and he's so much bigger. However strong you think God is, he's that strong, and he is so much stronger, because the greatness of God is so, it's unsearchable, David said. You can't find how great God really is. Yes. In our day, we have done as David did. And, and we have wrote our own songs, songs that say stuff like Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. And oh, how true it is when the song says, that is who you are. But the truth of the matter is, is just because that's who he is, it doesn't mean that that's all he is. And when you get the revelation that that's who he is, but that's not all he is, and you call him Jehovah Jireh, God my provider, but you understand he's not just a provider, but he's Jehovah Rapha, he's God my healer, He's Jehovah Nisi. He's got my banner. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's got my peace. He's Jehovah Sadiqnu. He's got our righteousness. Everything that I need, God is what I need. If you wake up in the morning, honey, God can be a fresh breath of air when you go. When you go to bed at night, God is there. David said it like this. If I take wings and I fly into the heavens, God, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, God, thou art there also. I've come to tell somebody there's nothing you'll go through and there's nowhere you'll ever go that the greatness of God is not walking beside you. It's not walking with you. There's not a trial so deep. There's not a test too hard. There's not a problem too big that my God can't handle it. My God is able. Because he's not just a great God. Can I preach here tonight? Because he's not just a great God, as David said, but he's a greater God. His greatness is unsearchable. When the enemy creates a great bondage, the greater God creates a greater breakthrough. When the enemy creates a great test, the greater God creates a greater testimony. When relationships cause you great heartache, God said, I'm a God that'll never leave you and never forsake you. And your husband might leave, your wife might leave, your friends and family might walk out on you, but baby, I'm going to tell you tonight that God is greater than your husband. He's greater than your wife. He's greater than your family. He's greater than your friends. And if even if they go somewhere, God said, I ain't going anywhere because I'm a God that is greater. I just feel like telling somebody tonight that's been looking for God in religion, you're not going to find God in religion. That's why this apostolic experience has not, will not ever be a religion. You didn't walk into a religious church. You walked into a church where there's an experience. I, help me, Jesus. I feel like meddling a minute. Well, I, I've been going to church, and all they've been doing is sit and kneel, stand. Sit and kneel, stand. And I come in and I leave the same way I came. That's because you're not going to a church that believes in greater. You're going to a church that believes in religion. And I'm going to tell you something. Religion will leave you wanting. Religion will leave you crying on your pillow at night. Religion will leave you saying, I, there's got to be more to this somewhere. Religion will have you scratching your head saying, I don't understand the Bible. But honey, when you get an experience with this Holy Ghost business, when you get filled up to the very top with the presence of God, with the 
spirit of God, uh, you'll understand that he's not a God of religion. Uh, he's a God that's greater than religion. Uh, he's a God that's greater than men's theologies. Uh, he's a God uh, He's a God that can step in uh, to a little room with just 120. Uh, and when they leave, uh, it won't be a religion, honey. Uh, it'll be something that'll start a fire uh, all over the world. Hallelujah. Now unto him, it's one of the most misquoted scriptures in Pentecost and in, in, in church in general, Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him, that is able, and this is how we quote it, to do exceedingly, abundantly, of all that we can ask or even think, but that's not what it says. It doesn't say exceedingly, abundantly. Because when you say exceedingly abundantly, you're speaking in synonyms. But God is not exceedingly abundantly. The writer said he's exceeding abundantly. If you'll just let me put that in redneck terms, uh, that's greater than abundantly. Uh, now unto him uh, that is able to do greater than abundantly, uh, above what you can ask or even... Somebody just missed their place to shout right there because you've been thinking about revival and God says, I'm able to do revival and greater. You've been praying for your family and God says, I'm able to do more than just save your family, honey. I'm able to save your whole neighborhood. You, you, you've been praying saying, God, if you just save my children and God's saying, honey, I want to do more than save your children. I want to save your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. I, I want to start something inside of you that'll change your world. I want to. There's something I want to put on the inside of you that is greater. That's why we say greater is He that is in me than He that's in this world. On your own, you can't handle addiction. But when you got the greater on the inside, on your own, you can't handle the. I wish I had a witness. I just need two or three people that know what it's like to be depressed. But when the greater got on the inside of you, you. Got you got power over depression. You got. I've got something that is greater than any pill can give me. I've got something that's greater than alcohol and drugs. I got the Holy Ghost. Don't let that brother run by himself. You want to know why we're running on a Sunday night? It's because we had an experience with the greater. Somebody ought to give God a great praise. Somebody ought to give him a great hand clap. Somebody ought to give him a great shout. I understand sometimes when you have the greater, it's a little intimidating when you have to walk into places that don't understand what all this greater stuff is about. If anybody understood that, Moses understood that. Don't you think it was a little frustrating when God told him to throw down his staff and then Pharaoh's magicians would throw down their staffs? It's like, God, you didn't tell me this was part of the story. I thought this was just a thing that me and you did. Like, remember how we was doing this in the desert there? Nobody else turned their staff into a snake. Nobody else would throw down their, their staff and it, it starts slithering off. I didn't, this, you didn't tell me this was gonna happen. But Moses, you gotta understand, there's a lot of people that are gonna try to replicate and they're gonna try to have some form of church but keep on throwing down your staff because when your staff turns into a serpent and their staff turns into a serpent, the serpent that you throw down will consume the serpent that they throw down because I'm not letting any little picture of what church is supposed to look like to stand up next to something that is greater and something that is more powerful. That's why 2020 killed a bunch of churches. But look at us, devil. We're still here and we're bigger and we're, you ain't gonna help me preach and we're stronger, and we're growing. You think we're gonna sell our building? Have you lost our mind? We're building a bigger one because we don't serve an average, ordinary God. We serve a God that is greater. 
I got to preach this. Brother, I, I apologize ahead of time. I've learned the longer I preach, the longer I preach. So please forgive me. But we, we start reading about men like Abraham. Abraham, come out of the land of your fathers, and I will make of thee a great nation. And, and so the issue here is, Abraham, are you willing to make the journey from your father's house? There's a lot of people that don't make the journey because they're too busy being happy, being daddy's dependents. But Abraham, I gotta call you out because I'm calling you to be a dependable father. And you can't be a dependable father and be your father's dependent all at the same time. You've gotta make a transition in your mind and you gotta make a, I'm helping somebody right now in the Holy Ghost, I feel it. You gotta make a transition in the way you walk. You gotta make a transition in the way you talk because I can't rely on you to just sit around and try to make it to heaven on your pastor's coattail. You've been a dependent for too long. I'm trying to bring greatness out of you and the only way I can bring greatness out of you is if you stand up on your own two feet and make up in your mind, I know where I've been, but where I've been is not where I'm going. I'm no what I've been accused of, but I'm not in my daddy's house anymore. I'm in my own house, and in my house, we follow the greatness of God. In my house, we look for the miraculous. In my house, we follow the glory. Can, can, can I just preach like I'm at home tonight, Brother Bradford? I want to tell you something. If we're going to have the kind of revival in 2022 that God is calling this church to have, there's going to have to be some of us that get off the pew of being complacent and, and comfortable and just thankful to be a part of the church. you got to come out of your daddy's house and you got to stand on your own two feet and figure out I want revival for myself. I want a breakthrough for myself. I want Crater. Yeah, I can't just sit here and, and blend in. I, I can't just sit here and be a part of the church. You're not called to just sit there. You're called to make a difference. You're called to be involved with greater. Abraham, come out of the land of your fathers. Can, can, can I just, can I flip the script right here and pray and, and preach to somebody that maybe this is your first time in a Pentecostal church and tell you, you don't need to let what society thinks about where you're from to decide where you're going. Well, my mama was an addict, so because the way society thinks, I'll probably always be an addict. The devil is a liar. My, my, my daddy was no good, so due to society, the way that they think and the way that it works, I'll probably grow up to be no good. I, I'm, here I am, 35, 40 years old, and I've not done anything with my life. That's just because you hadn't gotten involved with the greater yet. Because God knows how to take greatness out of the gutters. God knows how to start in the slums. God knows how to start in your misfit, messed up mind and bring greatness out of you. If you only knew, I'm telling you right now, I don't know everybody in this church, but I'm here to tell you, if you only knew the story behind the suit and tie of the people that are sitting on this pew. Come on, I know she looks like she's got her hair all fixed up, but what you don't know is where she come from. What I know they drove up in a nice car, but what you don't know is where they come from. You don't know where God found them when he put greatness on the inside of them. And can I tell you that you're here tonight and God is saying, I want that. There's somebody right there with a testimony right now. Hey, God's wanting to put greatness on the inside of you too. It don't have to be when I went to a church. It could be I got a part of something. I became a part of something that's greater. Abraham begins to grow in this journey of greatness. And as he begins to grow in the journey of greatness, God calls him out. He begins to go. He gets a promise. I know you don't have any children. Can I preach this little Sunday school story today? No, you don't have any children, Abraham. But I'm going to make your children like the stars in the sky and like the sand on the seashore. And, and as soon, I think it's like 14 verses later, something like that. 
as soon as he gets a promise from God, the Bible says, and there arose a famine in the land. Really? I just got the greatest promise of the Bible. And now I'm entering into a famine. And so the Bible says that Abraham goes down to Egypt because the promise always has to go through Pharaoh's house. And as the promise is enduring its time in Pharaoh's house, the word of God says at the moment that Pharaoh is getting ready to intercept the miracle, that great, not just regular plagues, great plagues fell upon them. Because he's a great God, he sends great plagues. Even in the middle of great famine, God says, I'll I'll keep my hand on a great promise and I'll do it by taking the devil and making him wish to God he'd have never showed up and started messing with my people. And so it's in this, it's in this, it's a a scriptural pattern that as soon as God sends the great plagues, there comes great revelation. And at the end of great revelation comes great revival. And at the end of great revival comes great increase. And I know you don't believe that, but you can open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 13 and verse 2 and it's the first place that scripture uses to describe Abraham as rich and if you see what's in verse 1 you'll see that Abraham got up and he left Egypt. I've come to tell somebody tonight I know you had to live in Egypt for a little while but when you leave you're leaving with the blessings of Egypt. This, it's not the first time that I, I know we preach of it uh, when, when the children of Israel have to leave and they leave with all the gold and raiments. Hey, this ain't God's first time doing this. He said, devil, I know, I, I know you think you're bad and all, but not only will I use the same thing and destroy you once, but I'll do it twice. And if I have to, I'll do it over and over and over again because no weapon formed against the people of God shall prosper because a great God, it only makes sense that he has a great people because God's not going to have his people looking bad. You can go to Egypt broke, busted, and disgusted and when you walk out you're walking out with the blessings you're walking out with the gold and the silver and the fine raiment. I come to tell somebody tonight your blessing is coming through Egypt. You may I know it felt like it was going to kill you, but there's greater on the inside of you. I know it felt like it was going to take you out, but there's greater on the inside of you. I know you felt like you were going to lose your mind, but baby, there's greater on the inside of you. And so Abraham goes, Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. I'm greater than great reward. Abraham grows and he has children. The name of his first child is Ishmael. And and the Bible even uses the word great to describe Ishmael. The Bible describes him as a great man. And God says, I'll make of thee a great nation. But in this, you gotta understand Ishmael. I am a God, you gotta get it, that never works in reverse. But God's greater miracle will always be his next miracle. And so God begins with Ishmael. But God's not really interested in Ishmael revival. God's interested in an Isaac revival. And so the issue for us is, is we have to let go of Ishmael in order to get Isaac. And that's frustrating. And let me just preach to somebody here right now that that's where you're at. You're in the hallway between Ishmael and Isaac and God's trying to get you to let go of Ishmael so that he can give you Isaac. Well, God, you you know, this is my blessing and this is my miracle. Yes, it's what God gave you. But can I tell you that there is more for you than you can even imagine uh, just standing at the door the moment you let go of this. uh, God says, I've got exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Wait on you to just let go. I'm, I'm fixing a stomp on an ideology right now that says, well, we've been here since 1943. Uh, 1943, we've seen a lot of miracles. I've come to tell you, your greatest miracles are still not mine. They're still ahead of you, uh, and they are not behind you. Uh, since 1943, there's been a lot of greatest great services, uh, but your greatest services uh, are yet to be had. Uh, your greatest revivals uh, are yet 
that to me. You hear me? You listen to this preacher right now. Your greatest revivals are still ahead of you. You haven't seen your greatest day yet because God always starts with great and works towards greater. I wonder how many I wonder how many people have been healed in cancer in this church and God says that's nothing in comparison to what I'm getting ready to do. I wonder how many people have got out of wheelchairs in this church and God says that's nothing in comparison to what I'm getting ready to do. I wonder how many people have had their mind and their family put back together in this church and God's saying I'm just getting started. You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm just going to go ahead and step out on the limb, Brother Brock. This building ain't big enough to house the kind of revival that God has for this church. This, this complex ain't big enough to house what God wants to do in this city. I've got a revival. I've got something that's so big and so great, it'll blow your mind. This is a generational thing. You read Psalms chapter 145 and verse 4. It says, from one generation to another, they shall sing his praise. And so it's a generational thing. Abraham, we see that God, God starts with great and goes towards greater. He goes to Isaac, and we see that Isaac, when Isaac grows up, Isaac is described that he grew and became great. And then the Bible says, until he became very great. So God starts the process over again, but now we're in a new dimension. Whew, I feel the Holy Ghost. Now that we're in this new dimension, Isaac begins to have children. And as Isaac begins to have children, God speaks to his wife and says, there are two nations within thee. And girl, I know this don't make sense because of the culture of your day, but the elder shall serve the younger. Say, so why is that? God, help me, Jesus. I'm preaching myself right now. Help me to repent and get over this, God. Get right with you. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. But Esau's a man of the field. He's a hunter. Ooh, I felt a fresh touch. When he goes to bed at night, Brother Bradford, he's thinking about the next booner he's about to shoot. If you're not a hunter, you don't understand that terminology. But he's thinking about big bucks. And so I can't bring greater through somebody that's always worried about things that are in the world. When he goes to bed, he's thinking about earthly things. But when Jacob goes to bed at night, he sees angels ascending and descending. And so I can only bring the greater through someone that their mind is not on earthly things, but their mind is on heavenly things. And the moment you transition, because we all have Esau and Jacob within us all at the same time, and so the moment you transition from an Esau to a Jacob, and you begin to recognize that God has greater inside of me, but the only way that the greater can be revealed is when I get my eyes on the greater and I start looking unto things above that's when Jacob can show up at Laban's house and he don't have anything and he's running from his brother but when he leaves Laban's sons are saying Jacob is greater than Laban and Jacob is greater than his sons so we gotta get him out of here because if we don't get Jacob out of here he's gonna take everything we got I would to God that every demon in Bakersfield would start praying would you please let them people leave us. We got to get out of here because if we keep hanging around they're going to take every drug addict off the street. They're going to take every alcoholic out the bar. They're going to have the kind of revival that's not just going to change their church. It's going to change our city. Come on. You ought to be having the kind of revival that when you walk down the streets on outreach, every demon begins to tremble because greater just walked on their street. I wish I had time to preach this all the way from the Old Testament, but y'all's noodles are getting cold right now. I don't have time to preach this. So let me just jump to the New Testament and tell you exactly what I'm trying to get to. As Jacob grows and Jacob does great things, Jacob does a lot of things. He sets a lot of memorials and he sets everything up and it's perfect and it's right and Jacob's a patriarch. 
and Jacob's the man. But there's this woman sitting at a well in John chapter 4. And this guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, his name's Jesus, shows up. And when he shows up, he asks for something to drink. And the first words out of her mouth is, aren't you supposed to be a racist? I know that's the McNary County version, but it's in your Bible. What do the Jews have to do with the Samaritans? Aren't you supposed to have racism all in your spirit? But what she didn't know is she was talking to one that was greater than racism. I wish Congress would just ask me. I got all the answers. I found them in the book. You want to know what's going to stop all that junk? Just get people full of the Holy Ghost. Because when you got greater, it don't matter what comes your way. It don't matter what comes against you. You're filled with You're filled with greater. Are you greater than our father Jacob? That's what she asked him. That gave us this well. Are you greater than our father Jacob? that dug this stuff out. And, and because he's Jesus, he's God manifest in the flesh, I can see him laughing saying, honey, I created Jacob. What do you mean am I, am I greater than Jacob? Before Jacob was, before Abraham was, before time began, I was sitting there all the time. And so if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I give, you will never thirst. I come to tell somebody, if you're thirsty, I got something for you, honey. And it's greater than what this world has given you. It's greater. I'm trying to hurry, I promise. Kind of, maybe, a little bit. Not really, I'm lying. I love preaching more than anybody else in the world, I promise you. This is fun, ain't it? I'm having, y'all might not be having fun. I'm having fun. But we, we, we see the greatness of God. This, this, this deal about God, God's got an ego. I, well, I lost some of you right there. Some of them gray-haired saints said, oh my God, don't say that. God's kind of into God a little bit. If you don't believe me, you start reading stuff like, I am the Lord, and beside me, there is no Savior. You start reading stuff like, I'm a jealous God, and I'm not gonna share my glory with anybody. God's kind of into God a little bit. And because God is into God, God's not gonna, let me just tell you about God. A great God always has a great people. Let me give you a little piece of revelation. That's you. And God says, I don't care what you go through. I'm going to give you victory because I'm not going to let my people look bad. So the world can try to shut them down, but the church will still keep on going. They'll talk about them. They'll misunderstand them. They'll laugh at them and make fun, but the church will keep on growing because I've got something in them that's greater so this thing about God, God's in a competition with himself where his next miracle, I said it a while ago and I'm gonna say it again, you're gonna hear me say it about 43 times tonight before I get done and I don't have a lot of time to say it so you, you get it. I'm gonna repeat myself a lot right here because I want you to get this. But God will never let his last miracle be his greatest miracle. He's always working forward. We see this revealed in the nature of God in Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth but that wasn't good enough. So he said, let there be light. And there was light. And, and he started calling the firmament out. He started going through all of this. And, and if you go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 16, you'll see that God created two lights. Two great lights, the word use, it's used. And it uses one to describe as greater. It says, the greater light to be used to rule over the day. And the lesser light to be used to rule over the night. And know what you're thinking. Preacher, I got you now. I thought you said God never works in reverse, but he always starts with great and works towards greater. So how did God create the sun and then create the moon? 
if he creates great than greater. Because here he created greater than great. You have to understand that the purpose of the moon was to reflect the sun. And, and, and I know what you're thinking, preacher, that there's no way that can happen. Well, then you explain to me in Genesis, all through Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, as we're, or chapter 1 and chapter 2, as we're going through creation that he said, and the evening and the morning was the first day. I'm feeling my help right now. And the evening and the morning was the second day. And the evening and the morning was the third. It's in your Bible. I know it's kind of hard to believe right now. Some of y'all scratch your head. I don't know if I think. It's in there. And the evening and the morning was the fourth day. Meaning that God started with the evening and worded toward, worked toward the morning. He started with the lesser and worked towards the greater. And we see that revealed in the book of John when the Bible says that there was a man sent from heaven whose name was John who was not the light but was sent to reflect or bear witness of the light. He was sent to show that there is one coming after me that I, his shoe latches. I am not worthy to unlatch. And what's happening here is creation. It's happening all over again. He sent the lesser light uh, to make way for the greater light uh, and when he seen that Jesus coming uh, he said behold the Lamb of God uh, that cometh to take away the sins of the world. Uh, he was telling him I indeed baptize you with water uh, but that one has come uh, to baptize you with fire. Uh, he is greater. Even his first miracle, Brother Bradford, uh, the greatness that this, this thing about God is revealed because he shows up at a wedding uh, and when he gets there, the Bible says that his mama looked at him and said, they don't have any wine. And we know from this that Mary was not a southern woman because he said, woman, this is not my time. And if I'd have said that to my mama, I'd have gotten my head slapped off. No way Mary was from the South. Woman, it's not my time. He, she just walks up and says, shut up, boy. Do what he says. Greatness of God is getting ready to be revealed. He's walking through there. He says, draw the water pots. And they draw the water pots. Everybody shouts, water in the wine. Woohoo! But that ain't a miracle. The miracle is because there's this dude sitting up there in a nice suit like you and he takes a drink and he said, at every other wedding, they put the best out first. But when he showed up, there was something changed because you saved the best for last. Little did he know he was prophesying the same thing that Haggai chapter two would prophesy. At and the glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former. And that little man was sitting there in his wedding garb prophesying of an end time church. All the apostles, all the disciples, but there was coming a people in Bakersfield, California that was gonna have something that it was gonna be greater than what Peter seen and greater than what John seen. This is a scripture we're scared to death of. You ready? I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna stop. I know some of y'all looking at me like, come on, preacher. We got to go. I got this microphone. I'll preach as long as I want to, bless God. Where are we going from here? There's only one place to go from here. This scripture we're scared of. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, these things which I do, shall ye do. If this is Jesus talking. This ain't, this ain't no fly by night, Joe. These things that I do, shall ye do. Look at somebody and tell them, that's me. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and tell them, that's me. And greater things than these shall ye do. Now, I'm fixing to help you have revival everywhere you go right now. Because I know what you think. Well, preacher, because this is how I thought for a long time. I just got this revelation a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. It makes me want to shout because I know what I'm just saying. Y'all don't yet. I might run the house myself. I might. I said might. I'm out of breath, okay? <laughs> but I thought, how, how can you do something greater than Jesus? He opened the blinded eyes. He raised the dead. He cleansed leprosy. And I was reading the Bible one day, Brother Peyton, and all of a sudden I got it. There's one thing Jesus never did. He never physically laid hands on anybody and they received the power of the Holy Ghost. 
They never spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance when he laid hands on them. And God said, I'm reserving that for my people. And so he said, you, you said it, not me. That's me. Remember, you just said that. Y'all remember that? You were preaching, not me. That was you. You don't have to wait till you get to church to lay hands on somebody and then get the Holy Ghost. They didn't believe me over there. I'm going to say it over here. You don't have to wait till you get to church to lay hands on somebody and then receive the Holy Ghost. It can happen at your job. It can happen at your school. It can happen in your home. You can be sitting there teaching a Bible study and the Holy Ghost can fall and revival can be poured out because God gave you greater. Positions, y'all hurry. You get, come on, come on, come on, come on. Run, run, run fast, fast, fast because I'm going to preach all night. If y'all don't hurry up and get up here and shut me down. That's what the musicians are supposed to do anyway. Shut the preacher down. But, but, but we, we, we go through this thing all the way. From, we, we talk about the first Adam and the second Adam. I could do this all night. I love, like I said, I love to preach. We talk about the first Adam and the second Adam. I'm, I'm closing, I promise. I'm entitled to three closings. This is at least my second. First Adam, second Adam. First Adam receives breath. Second Adam gives breath. Because the second Adam is greater than the first Adam. But there's this little thing in the Bible, Brother Bradford, that messes a lot of people up. It's, it's a very difficult word. It's called context. It's the third law of hermeneutics. If you don't put scripture in context, then you have a problem. And so the purpose of context is you need to understand what's before and what's after what you've read. So can I take you back to our opening text tonight? Psalms chapter 145, I've done preached what's before. Can I have like two minutes to preach like what's after? Psalms 145, praise him. Praise ye the Lord. It tells God is great and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is undefinable. It's unsearchable. You can't find it, which means God is greater now than he was when I first read that text a few moments ago. And he's greater now. And he's greater now. And he's greater now. And he's greater now. See how this thing goes? Well, when we go to the end of the book of Psalms, I love this. When we get to the end of Psalms, where do we usually go? Psalms chapter 150. And praise you the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. But there's this little part of that scripture you get, you skip over it. It says, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Now listen to me. If God's greatness is greater right now than it was at the beginning of when I started preaching, and I am commanded to praise him according to his excellent greatness, doesn't that mean that there should never be a service that I praise him less than I did the last service? I... Every Sunday night, every Monday night prayer meeting, every Tuesday night, I am commanded scripturally to give God more than I did the last service. I'm commanded. I'm commanded to match his greatness with my praise. I'm commanded to match his greatness with my shout. I'm commanded to match his greatness with my dance. I wonder if there's anybody right here, right now, that God's been good to you and you understand that his greatness is unsearchable. And because he's great, I've come to church on Sunday night to lift my voice and to lift my hands and to give a great God a great praise I'm going to mess with your little Pentecostal theology right now there's some of us right now what we're waiting on I know how this works Brother, Brother Bradford like I said I've been doing this a long time long enough to know how people operate you're waiting on the musicians you're waiting on the right singers you're waiting on the right song before you step out. But God's greater now than he was a minute ago. Oh, I know they were.
were singing, he did it, he did it, he did it. We, we were shouting and dancing and talking and talking, but he's able to do more now than he was a while ago because he's greater now than he was a while ago. Where are you at? Come on, there's gotta be something in you that says I'm not waiting on a singer. I'm not waiting on a musician. I've come to lift my voice. I've come to lift my hands. I've come to lift a shout. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, don't wait on them. Don't wait on your neighbor. Don't wait on the person next to you. Don't wait on the person behind you. got a need. You need a miracle. And you got to get his attention. Do it now. Do it now. Get his attention now. The pressure. Pressure's caving in. I don't have nowhere to turn. God is greater than the pressure. And God is able. I told y'all, I know what I feel. Brother Bradford, if, 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 I, if I'm off, you, you just you rebuke me. I will accept it. I'll listen. You're my elder. I'm going to tell you what. That, that demon, that spirit from hell, trying to lie to the people of this church, get you to accept the status quo. You've been here since 1943 and this is all you got here? This is all you're ever gonna have. The devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. This is all we got? Hey, I'm thankful for what we got, but do you realize I feel like we're in a prophetic moment right here. Brother Bradford, I know this is out on the limb, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to say it. And if you can do with it whatever you want. But I believe that God can do more in the remainder of 2022. And God wants to do more in the remainder of this year than he has done since 1943. Preacher, that's crazy. You've lost your mind. There's no way. Well, maybe not to a God that's average and ordinary, but to a God of unsearchable greatness that can break chains and tear down strongholds. With that God, anything can happen. With that God, any mountain can move. With that God, any battle can be won. Come on, they're seeing. I want you to tell your problem right now. You're nothing compared to my God. Come on, tell your situation. My God is greater. He's greater! He's greater! He's greater! 